0: Hey everyone, my name is Pastor Dina, and thank you so much for joining us for Northeast Christian Church Online Services. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms to keep up to date with all that's going on here in our church. Also, if you would like to rewatch today's sermon, you can look us up on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcast. Well, thank you, and enjoy the rest of service.
1: Good morning. It is good to be here. Pastor Paul asked me a couple weeks ago to talk about tithing. And I, I pastored a church with uh, my wife and I. We pastored for over seven years. And anytime it came to, to tithing and to giving, I, it was always a little bit uneasy because, you know, there's always someone that could say, well, you know, the church misuses their money or I don't want to give because there's been, you know, I've been hurt in the past by, by finances. And, and that's true. People have been hurt. Far too many uh, churches have gone through embezzlement scandals and all that kind of uh, terrible stuff, but I'm thankful and I, I, I believe with all my heart that this church is an accountable church, this church is a godly church run by godly men and women and they, they treat our money as if it was their own, although it's not their own, they, they, they appropriate it correctly and that's something I'm very thankful for and so you could say, well the pastor just talks about money because he wants my money, well I'm not a pastor here, so there you go I come to you as a parishioner. I come to you as someone who sits in the pews with you day, uh, not day in, day out, but week in and week out. Um, But I come from a pastor's perspective. I just want to, I want to talk to you about tithing. So let's get into it. Let's not waste time. We've got, God has given us time. Let's go ahead and get to it. One of the things, like just thinking about tithing, well, if I didn't know what tithing was, I would want to know what tithing is. So the first question I just want to answer really quick, well, briefly is, what is tithing and why do we tithe? Tithing is pretty simple. The word tithe means a tenth, right? So one out of ten. If you have ten, a tithing is one, one-tenth. It's pretty simple math. Uh, so one-tenth, uh, with tithing just means to give a tenth of your income to the Lord. The Old Testament says it this way. It says in Deuteronomy 14, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes in from the field year by year. And so God told his people, every year, whenever you are produce comes in, I want you to take a tenth of that and give it back to me. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. All right, and so it's pretty simple. The Bible tells us that God wants us to give him 10%. Now, let's, you know, I'll I'll be that person that says, well, what about this? All right, I'll I'll be my own worst enemy here. Oh, thank you well, doesn't the Bible say that God has the cattle on a thousand hills and why does God actually need my money? Great question. God doesn't need your money. But what God does need and that he does not have is your heart. All right? And as we read where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this world puts a premium on money. Right? If you were to look at the credit card debt that is just in the United States alone, it is bad. So we have as a world a problem with money And God says, okay, well, I'm going to help you with that <laughs> the, best, the best way to get over greed is to give All right, And so God helps us to get rid of greed God helps us to put our trust in Him And in the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us that 9 is greater than 10 Now in the, in the world, that's, that makes no sense How can 9 be bigger than 10? Well, because God blesses 9, He doesn't bless 10 It's it's pretty simple and just like with with a work uh, with a work week God says you need to take one of your seven days and rest and so the kingdom of God six is greater than seven because God blesses six But he doesn't bless seven and that's just the way that the kingdom of God works And so just to make this simple if you're going to be a tither what that means is whenever you get a paycheck which hopefully is either every week or every other week or twice a month or once a month, something kind of regular, whatever that number is, you're going to take 10% and you're going to give it to the church that you attend. And so if you are an attender or a regular attender of this church, you're going to give it here. You're not going to give it to the church you went to a year ago. You're not going to give it to your favorite pastor or TV evangelist. You're not going to give it to your cousin who passes a church out in the Midwest. You're not going to give it to your favorite uh, missions organization overseas. You're going to give it and the reason for that is quite simple. It's a it's a simple analogy But I think that it works if you go out to a restaurant which we all love good food If you go out to a restaurant and you eat the food who do you give the money to to pay for the bill? To the person that gave you the food right you you give it to the waiter or the waitress who give them the tip and so you you give the money to where you're fed and so we are fed here at this church, and so our tithe comes to this church. Now, my wife and I tithe. We, are, we have always tithed. My parents taught me to tithe, and her parents taught her to tithe. As ministers within the Assemblies of God, our tithe goes to our district. And so I actually can't tithe to this church, but I do give to this church in my missions giving. And the way that we do it is, you know, we get paid on a Friday, and on that day I have it set up that that money comes straight out of my checking account. I don't even want it to stay in my checking account for any longer than what it can be because to me That's not my money if I'm not giving God my 10% as I understand scripture for myself I'm stealing from God And of all the people you don't want to steal from you don't want to steal from God and so That money comes right out of my out of my checking account on the day that I get paid And so therefore it's not even in my budget. It's just something that I I just give it to God because I don't want it. It's better in his hands than it is in mine. And so that's the what of tithing. That is what tithing is. 10% of what we make, we give it back to God. But I think the, the more important question for me anyway is why? Why do I need to tithe? And hopefully today as we look to the scriptures, I can give you a, somewhat of a holistic approach to tithing. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of looking at things uh, in the big picture and, and holistically, and I don't believe that we're ever just like, you know, it's not just the sum of our parts. Our, our relationship with God, it's not just, well, I got my 15 minutes of devotions here, and I have my good works here, and I wave to the person, and I say nice things to them, and, oh, I give my... That's not, how, that's not how Christianity works. God wants all of us. You know, and yes, the number 10% is in there, but we're going to find out by the end of today, sorry, but God wants a whole lot more than just your 10%. God wants your whole life He wants all of you God just doesn't want that compartment That you're willing to give him He wants every bit of who you are And that's actually to me That's a word of encouragement And so Giving can actually kind of Become a religious ritual you know, or even lack of giving and so whenever we give or we don't give if we're just doing that I, I don't like religious ritual. I mean we have rituals that are good. We, we have things that we do regularly We come in here. We sing songs. We stand up. We lift our hands. We do announcements you know, We have ritual here, but it's it, it works. It's good But whenever we're doing things we're just going through the motions day in day out We lose a pure motive and I think any time that we can we can lose a pure motive in what we're doing Whether it's in personal relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's for the Lord We need to stop we need to reassess we need to realign our hearts with the word of God And so that's something I want to do today. I want to look at what i'm going to call kingdom characteristics yeah, it's, that's a nice phrase, right? I just I thought of that the other day. I'm like, ooh, that's good. I'm gonna put that in there. Kingdom characteristics, and kingdom characteristics are exactly what they sound like. They are attitudes and perspectives, ways of approaching life that characterize a citizen of the kingdom. That's you and that's me. Uh, Jesus calls, or the Bible calls us, citizens of the kingdom of God. And what this means is that we're to look like Jesus. All right, I want to look like Jesus. I want my life to look more and more like Jesus. And so whenever someone that doesn't know Jesus comes in contact with me then they should be able to see and experience who Jesus is have you ever had that in your life maybe before you met before you met Christ you just you're with someone and you're like everything they do just like it's it's this warm inviting and you just you just want to be around that person I've had that happen so many times in my life and that's that's Jesus Jesus And so as I as I read the bible and as I as I studied this past week One of the things that I came to the conclusion was that jesus is someone who is generous And so as a as a kingdom characteristic, I want to talk really about generosity today And how this idea of giving and generosity It's actually going to impact a lot of other and very important areas in our lives and, and areas that are important to god So if you have your bibles, please turn with me to the book of matthew chapter 22 And as we go there, I'm just going to, I want to point out some central concepts, some ideas that are going to help us as we go along today. What we're going to see is that Jesus is going to demand a whole lot more of us than our 10%. Actually, if all God wanted from me was 10%, that would make things so much easier. If all I had to do was just give God my 10% and say, check that box, I'm done, Christianity would be so simple, everyone could do it, but... God asks more of me. He wants all of you. Not all of you, but all of you. All right? That's you plural versus you singular. As a a college professor, words are important to me, punctuation is important to me, things like that. Discipleship is all of us, it's holistic. All right, Matthew chapter 22, we're going to begin reading in verse 15. and then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with a Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. You can, they're kind of buttering him up. Just, they they want oh, wow, th- th- thank you. They kind of wanted to be able to speak freely with whatever he's going to say next, but they're, they're setting him up. Verse 17, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me a coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. Here's the question I want to pose to you from this passage of Scripture, and I think this is going to be a fundamental truth, and it's a question that each and every one of us are going to have to answer, and that question is, whose image and name do you have? Whose image and whose name do you have? Now, the story that I just read is really pretty straightforward. It tells us that the Pharisees are plotting against Jesus, they're trying to trap him in his words because clearly his life is perfect, so maybe they can find something that he says that they can twist and use against him. And so they ask him what they think, anyway, is going to be an impossible question. They're going to ask him, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Now, it doesn't matter how Jesus answers this question, it's going to be wrong. If he says, yes, we should pay taxes, well, then all the Jews around are going to say, well, he's in favor of Caesar, he's in favor of Rome. Rome has been living here, occupying the land of Israel. We don't want them them, he's on the wrong side. Well, if Jesus says, no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, then, well, clearly there's Roman people around. They're going to be able to take Jesus' words. If they can just get him before a Roman magistrate, this will be evidence against him to take him out. And so whether Jesus says yes or no in their eyes, this is the perfect question. Jesus knew what they were doing. He calls them hypocrites. He, He knew that their intent was evil. And so he asked someone for a coin. Now, it's funny, actually, I didn't even bring my wallet today, so I couldn't, if I had money in my wallet, I couldn't show you money anyway. So what I did, I went online, uh, and this is what a denarius looks like. And so this could have been something very close to the kind of money that Jesus would have been given. Now, it looks kind of like one of our quarters, right? And if you think about money, and they have, there's money all over the world. I've been in lots of different countries, and every country has money. They all have some similar Similar things about them. They usually have the picture of some kind of a leader from that country either living or dead They'll have the name of that person on there And they'll have the name of the country or the government that issues that money All right, and so jesus is handed a denarius and he asks the question Whose name and whose face is on this coin and the only answer that they can give because there's only one answer well, it's caesar's and so jesus gives such a profound answer. He says, well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And with his, with his statement, Jesus truly really now opens the door for us to ponder the question of, you know, if, if we're to give to Caesar, if we're to give to the government, the things that belong to the government, then what then are the things that belong to God? What does it mean for me to render unto God the things that belong to him? Now this word render, it's, it's a word that we don't use too often, but for the people of Jesus' day, it meant to give, to pay back, it could even mean to reward. And essentially the idea is this, I owe somebody something and I'm going to give them what is due to them what strikes me as very interesting here in Jesus' answer is the comparison that he makes between something that's made in the image of man, which is going to be that coin, but then someone who is made in the image of God. And all of us, it doesn't matter who you are, when you were born, what your gender is, what the color of your skin is, how much money you make, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, it doesn't matter. You are made in the image of God. And so on one side of things, we have humanity, we are all made in the image of God. Therefore, we have an inherent value. And we also owe God something. We owe Him our praise. And whether we will praise Him or not, the Bible says, someday every knee will bow, every knee will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then on the other side of that, we have the church. And I don't have time to go into it, but I could show you that, and actually I have a verse I can read here, Colossians 3.10. It says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So yes, we are made in the image of God as human beings, but we're also remade, recreated, reformed, if you will, into the image of Jesus Christ, because we call upon his name. And so as members of the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we bear the image of God upon us, first as human beings, but then secondly as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to be looking like Christ, exhibiting Christ in our lives. And so, for those of us who bear the image of the risen Son of God, how can we render, how can we give, how can we pay back unto God the things that are God's? I want to look at two more examples here in Scripture, but I want you to keep that idea that I am made in the image of God, and if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I am being remade, recreated into the image of Christ, and therefore I must give him something. I must give him my all, actually. That's what the Scriptures are going to be showing us. But if we are deficient in giving things back to God, and today our, our topic is money, if I am deficient in giving what God asked me to give in my 10%, I'm actually going to be deficient other places in my life. And the two places i want to look at specifically are pride or humility depending on which side of the coin you want to look at it and forgiveness and so let's look at matthew chapter six verse two and through four and we're going to see that giving helps us actually to be humble matthew chapter six verses two and four and there's going to be a connection here that word render We're going to see the word render in this passage we're actually going to see the word render in the next passage you look at and so that's going to kind of be our connection today with that word render we're giving unto god the things that are god's let's see how it plays out in this passage matthew chapter 6 verses 2 through 4 thus when you give to the needy this is jesus talking when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others Truly I say to you they have received their reward But when you give to the needy don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you The point of the passage I want you to think about the point of the passage I want you to get today is that God knows the motives of your heart and he is going to reward you accordingly whether you're giving or whether you're not giving God knows why and God will reward you accordingly. This passage tells me that if, if I give out of impure motives, I have my reward. That's really what it says. And it's, it's, it's funny because um, I'm going to take a moment here and thank social media for proving my point because I don't, I don't like social media. Um, for all of you who are on it, God bless you. Uh, but it's a... Group of narcissistic individuals. All right, please, no, no applause. <laughs> how often do you, you know, we, we follow people, and that's 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 the goal of social media is to have as many people look at you as possible. All right, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to assume that it's true because I just know how people work. But you know, and this 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 is what the 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 synagogue leaders would, you know, they would, oh, watch me put money in the offering plate. Ta-ching. Oh, look at how good I'm, I'm helping the needy over here Taking pictures of myself, right? It's, it's hypocritical If you are more concerned about what people Think of you as you're doing the, de- the Deed of whatever you're doing, you don't care About who you're helping You don't, you are more concerned about how you look And you're doing what you do For the applause of people And Jesus says, you have Gotten what you sent out to get Good job You did what you did to get the applause of people, and you achieved your goal. Well done. And that's where it ends. But if you actually care about people, and you actually—and the thing about being a Christian is that God's love fills our hearts, and when you see a need, as we say in this church, you meet it. And that should actually happen because the love of Christ should fill you and you see people hurting, you say, you know what, I want that person to be made whole again. What can I do to help them? They need help. How, Jesus has helped me, how can I help them? But he, Jesus says, well, you, you want to really take it to another level, then help them without people knowing about it. Help them and you don't get any applause. You're doing it for the sole purpose of glorifying God, And helping your brother or your sister that's a little bit more spiritual in my book and so thank you social media for being a perfect example of this scripture verse today we don't need to sound a trumpet whenever we're giving now whenever you give to this church you can give online no one knows how much you give you can put your money into an envelope you can put it in the box nobody knows the only person that's going to be knowing is the church secretary the church treasurer that has to tally things up for tax purposes at the end of the year And that's okay. You're not announcing, I put in $75 today. Well, good for you. Sorry, I'm slightly sarcastic. Um, You'll learn to deal with it. So what does jesus say? Jesus says gives that nobody knows that you're giving He says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and it's a figure of speech because obviously first off Your left hand your right hand don't have minds of their own at least they shouldn't but it's You should be doing things so secretly that it's it's just it's unaware to anyone but you and god Kingdom characteristics generosity I want to be the kind of person that is Generous I want to be able to give to others because god has given to me not because i have to paul tells us in second corinthians 9 7 he says each one needs to give as they have decided in their heart not reluctantly or under compulsion compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver you ever meet someone that's stingy (laughs) and you know what is what's theirs is theirs and what's yours is theirs and i don't want to be that kind of person I love my wife. I love my kids and I I do things for her. I give things to her I give things to them because I love them because I want to see them happy because I want to see the smiles on their faces I want to see them enjoy the ice cream even though they don't deserve it All right, we've all gotten ice cream whenever we don't deserve it, right? We should be giving to God we should be giving to others with with a pure motive and the way that God helps us to check that motive As he said, don't don't take credit for it That's so opposite this world But that's so in line with the kingdom of God And so keep your motives pure Now interestingly, I said that within our passage The word that we're keeping in consistency here Is the word render So far with all the giving that's been happening The word render hasn't been used Actually the word render is used for the Father who will reward you, or the Father who will render unto you the things that are deserved. And so if you give for others to see, they will render unto you applause. But if you give for no one else to see but God alone, God who sees what you do in secret will render unto you your reward. I don't know about you, but I'll take the reward that God has to give me over the applause of anybody any day of the week. And so if you give gives that you're not announcing it to the world God sees your giving God will reward you accordingly And that's something I think that is good That is a kingdom value And so God allows us to give because it keeps us humble it keeps our pride in check And I know, you know pride is something that God does not love But if we can give and do it without any kind of hint of reward It helps us to be humble the next thing that giving helps us to do is giving actually is going to help us to forgive. Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35 say this. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will give you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will, I will repay you but he refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you, And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay off his debt. So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a powerful verse. Now again, the story is actually pretty simple. You've got two different people with two different amounts of debt. One owes 10,000 talents, one owes 100 denarii. And just not even knowing what those two amount what a denarius and what a talent is either way ten thousand and one hundred are a whole lot different the man that owes ten thousand is forgiven complete his debt is wiped clean but someone owes him money much much smaller and instead of forgiving as he had been forgiven he actually starts choking him and demands the money throws him in prison When the master who had forgiven the great amount finds out what had happened He says, oh, that's how you're going to act? Well, then I'm going to treat you the same way You now can pay back to me what you actually owe And he threw him in jail And so I, because I like to know things If you could put up the next slide I wanted to know, well, what, how much is a denarius worth? How much is a talent worth? Well, a denarius was a typical typical day's wage, right, And so uh, starting pay right now, you can actually make up to $17 at Walmart, or not Walmart, at McDonald's, um, but I'm going to take, because this number is actually easier, uh, $12.50 an hour. We're going to work eight-hour days, $12.50 an hour gets you $100 bucks a day. All right, so our denarius, for our purposes, is going to be $100 a day. All right, this guy owed 100 so 100 times 100 is $10,000. All right, that's 100 days of work. So this smaller amount is the equivalent of 100 days of work. All right, this was, he was a servant, this is an entry-level position, this is about the most that he's going to make. Now, you could probably work this off, and if you're working a five-day week, you could probably take care of this in less than a year. It's going to take a little bit of time, it's going to cost you some effort and some work, but you could do this in your own. Next slide, please. A talent is worth 6,000 denarii, or 6,000 days wages. He owed 10,000 of these, so 10,000 times 6,000 is 60 million. All right, 60 million times $100 a day This guy owed $6 billion Using the same amount of $100 a day It would have taken him 164386 years Six months and three weeks Working every single day of his life To pay off that debt It's not going to happen Even if you made $100,000 a day Yes, Lord all right, $100,000 a day, it would still take you 164 years. You don't live that long. You would have to make a million dollars a day and work for over 16 years straight to pay off that debt. It's not going to happen. All right? It's not going to happen. This is a debt greater than anyone has the capacity to pay. And the master forgave that. Well, how does this connect... To giving and to tithing the man who had that money that debt forgiven clearly had money problems (laughs) how do you get that much money in debt first off but it wasn't that it was that whenever he had been forgiven that money still had a grip on his heart so strong that he went to choke it choke the life out of someone else over that money money had a grip on his heart he couldn't forgive his brother. And here's the connection, and here's, here's the thing I think that I see in this passage, is that a heart that is willing to give money. Now, my, my wife and I, we, we tend to dedicate things that the Lord gives us. Our cars, we, we've actually anointed our cars with oil and said, Lord, this is your car. Now, the fun thing about that is whenever my car has problems with it, which it does, I'm like, all right, Lord, you've got to fix my car. It's your car, not my car. But we we say lord, these are your cars. How can we use them to serve you? Lord, you've blessed us with children, but we give them back to you lord use our children lord You have given us a home lord We give this back to you and so really tithing tithing is like that lord You have given me the ability to work. I'm going to give it back to you And if you can't let go of that How can you let go of your anger? How can you let go of that anger in your heart and that malice towards your brother or sister and that unforgiveness? You're not going to be able to let go of that if you can't let go of something as simple as money. Whenever we get to Revelation, you know, it, it says that the streets are paved with gold. God doesn't need money, but he wants your heart. And for whatever reason, human beings, money just grips our heart like nothing else. The truth is you're never going to have enough money You're not So just give it away and let God take it Let God be in control of your finances As we conclude, if I could have Boaz just come up and please Play the piano Here's the truth, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ Then you need to render unto God The things that are God's And God doesn't just want your 10% He doesn't want you to be able to check that off your list Of spiritual things to do God wants all of you He wants to be in charge of your whole life. He wants to be in charge of your finances. He wants to be in charge of your home, your cars, your job, your relationships. Every bit of you, God wants to be a part of that. He's not like just a slice of pie kind of God. He wants the whole pie. He wants the whole cake. He wants all of you. And we've seen that disciples of Jesus are going to exhibit kingdom characteristics so that whenever people that don't know Jesus come into contact with me, that they should be able to know who Jesus is. And that's the question I I really want to ask you, is when people are with you, do they encounter the humble, forgiving, and generous character of Jesus Christ? Because they should. I've been guilty of that not happening in my life. I've been stingy, I've been prideful, I've been unforgiving. And I've had to repent of that. But I wanna be the kind of person that whenever they leave me, they say, you know what, there's something different about him. I don't have that in my life and I need that in my life. I want to exhibit the kingdom characteristics that Jesus has. And a simple way I think that we can start to take steps towards that is by letting go of our finances. Now, I'm not saying to be foolish. The Bible is very clear we need to be wise with our finances, but God says, test me with ten percent he says i'll bless you more with nine than i will with ten that's going to take take an act of faith on your part you're going to have to say you know what god your bible your word says it to be true and i'm going to take a step of faith and i'm going to act upon that now you there's different ways you can do this let me give you two ways and how you can tithe and then actually how you can work on tithing let's say you make hundred dollars a week nice and simple okay We know the government's gonna take away 20%, so you're left with $80 to live off on a week. Do you tithe off that 100, or do you tithe off that 80? The difference isn't a whole lot, not at that number anyway, but if you tithe off 100, then you're gonna give God how much? $10. So your $80 becomes $70, that's what you're gonna live on. You can say, well, I brought in $80, I'm gonna tithe off $80, and so I'm gonna give God eight, now I have 72. Now, either way works, but I'll say this. If you're going to tithe off of the money that you bring home after taxes, then you're gonna need to tithe on your tax return. But if you tithe off the top amount, you've already tithed on all that money. You've tithed on that tax return. Whenever the government gives you a tax return in April or whenever it is, that money's yours to use as you see fit. I used to tithe that way. I used to tithe off the smaller amount. And a a well-seasoned Christian said to me, which would you rather God bless? Would you rather God bless the bigger amount or the smaller amount? And so I changed. I started tithing off the top. And God has never left me or failed me. There's been times where I have needed things and God has miraculously provided for whatever it was I have need of. He has and he he has been faithful that's all i can say i can god has been faithful to me and he's always provided for me and so i i give him that i happily give him that and i give to missions and whenever we have extra we'll we'll give extra wherever we see a need but we can only do that because god has remained faithful and so you may be thinking about your finances right now there's no way i can afford to give 10 percent of my income I, I i can't do it we'll start off small there's Here's the good news, there's 13 weeks left before the end of the year, which means there's like, what, 11 or 12 weeks till Christmas? Yay. If you start with 1% a week, by the end of the year, you'll be a tither. So if you make $1,000 a week, 10% is $100. That's a a good amount of money. But you know what 1% is? 10 bucks. You can give $10 to the Lord. I'm pretty convinced of that. And then the next time it comes around, you'll give him 20. And then the next time it comes around, you'll give him 30. Until the point where you're giving him 10%. And God says, test me. He actually says that, and he says, test me. Just see if I won't open the gates of heaven and bless you if you'll just do that. It's like the one time in Scripture where God kind of like puts a challenge to us and says, go ahead. Test me. See if I'll fail or not. I won't, but just go ahead and do it anyway. And in my experience, he's never failed me. He has always met our need. Now you might need to make some cuts. You might have to not go to Starbucks and get that $7 triple caramel macchiato drink that's super delicious. You'll live, water's also good. (laughs) Water doesn't cost as much. But you might have a lot of debt, and you might think, you know what, I, I have too much credit card debt. Well, if you start to take control of your finances and you realize you know what I need to begin to live within my means because I'm going to give God this first you're going to have a better understanding of your of your finances and I think that this is a good way for you to get your act together and begin to pay off debt and begin to get out of debt so you can actually use your finances to glorify the Lord I don't think God wants any of us to be in debt a lot of us are I've got some debt not much but a little bit but I know that this amount of money this is God's And so by knowing that this goes to God, I've got, okay, well then where's everything else going to fit in place after that? It's not, well, I'm gonna pay all my bills and then whatever I have left over, I'm gonna give to God. No, I'm gonna give to God and then I'm gonna take care of my bills and I'm gonna make sure that I honor God first. And by doing that, I come into a better understanding of where all my money is going, the inflow, the outflow, all that good stuff, and I can actually pay things off a little bit easier. And so tithing becomes a first good step and getting control of your finances, honoring God with every area of your life. But it helps me to be humble, because it helps me to recognize, you know what? God gets first place in this area. It's not me. He's the one that provides for me. It helps me to let go of my anger and my frustration with others, because if I can't give God something as simple as money, how can I give to my neighbor genuinely the love of Christ? And so I want to pray for you today. There's a lot of things in this. Something as simple, how can something as simple as giving God an offering, end up helping to be humble and less prideful and to forgive others. Well, it's here in his word. And I want to see that happen in your life. So Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you, Lord, that we're able to come here and to praise you, but Lord, we're able to be challenged by your word. And Lord, your word challenges us to give you from the top our 10%. And Lord, as as difficult as that may be, and as many times as I've wanted to not do that because I just don't know where the rest of the money is going to come from, you have always been faithful. And I pray, Lord, that for those that are here today and they are not tithers, but they regularly attend this church, Lord, I pray that you would challenge them today to begin with this next paycheck. 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%, 8%, 10%, giving it unto you because that is what you are asking us to give. Lord, let us render unto you the things that are yours because you have created us and you have recreated us in the image of Christ. And we thank you and we praise you. May we walk humbly this week. May we forgive others and give you the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you today.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Pastor Ben. It's not...
0: Thank you so much for joining us for service today. To rewatch today's sermon, you can search for it on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. And again, to keep up with all that's going on here at the church, you can go on lolig.org or ne-cc.org. Thank you again, and have a great day.